This week on the Have Forum, the Montreal Canadiens once again lose in overtime. I guess in the shootout, not in overtime, but still can't get the extra point for the seventh time this year. But still, there was also a 7-1 win uh, a few days ago. Overall, they're playing better under Duchamp. There's no denying it there. It would just be nice to win in overtime. Of course, we're going to go over uh, those games. There's some new lines at practice, more shuffling. Already Katiemi separated from Anderson and, and Toffoli, but but still looking like uh, it's uh, he's taken up Dano's spot in the top six with Dusham. You know how much this podcast loves to hear that, so talk about that. Uh, some price stats to go over. Are his red pads cursed? I don't know, but the stats seem to say that. And uh, aside from that, we'll... Cole Caulfield finishes regular season onto the playoffs. We'll talk about whether or not we think he's going to uh, join the Montreal Canadiens at the end of uh, of his season. But before uh, we move to that, Dustin, tell me who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the Weed Whacker. Uh, they both sent us uh, a package of all their products, and, uh, and they're awesome. Uh, the uh, check out their all-star lineup at manscaped.com use promo code Habs forum for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping exciting stuff Mario all right exciting stuff indeed I can hear the hype in your read this week you're so excited about your man so hyped so hyped about my shaved balls <laughs> all right so uh since so since uh, at the end of the last podcast so we've been doing the the predictions a little bit uh, in the last few uh few weeks there was only two games to talk about and i mean we both felt pretty good about the winnipeg game they had to win one right because they it, it was three losses in a row against winnipeg and oh boy did they win Seven one win, uh, and completely complete domination. Now, if now if 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 you didn't watch the game at home, the seven one does seem like it was just a complete domination from beginning to start. But it was it was only one nothing after the first, and really only got out of hand in the second half. of The second, the first half was still pretty close. And I tell you what, Carey Price played a really good game, and we we all know how quickly, even though it ended seven one. Carey Price lets in a couple goals in the first, and it changes everything, right? Momentum is is a real thing, and it can really change the whole game. So not to be downplayed was Price's performance in this game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Carey Price, obviously, since the uh, since the change, uh, you know, losing Stefan Waite, he's, he's been on a roll. Yeah. And, I mean, definitely he played a great game against Winnipeg. In our prediction, you know, we both thought they were going to play a great game. Uh, my other prediction, unfortunately, didn't come true with uh, Philip Deneau scoring. Uh, basically, everybody else on the team except for Philip Deneau pretty much <laughs> yeah. scored in that game. Two beautiful but... passes, though. Two beautiful passes from, uh, uh, from Deneau. And, actually, I forget who asked him this question. It was... Uh... Uh, it was one of the older uh, uh, Gazette guys. Uh, was it Pat uh, Hickey? I, I think, think it was, it was Hickey. Pat Hickey. Asked him, like, he, two blind passes to Gallagher. Did you just know he was there? And, like, Dano just answered just, like, I knew they weren't blind. Like, I knew he was. <laughs> like, what a stupid question. Like, for once, Dano has a strong game. You know, the, the line looked great. And then to just downplay it completely, both assists were, were beautiful on the on the Gallagher goals. Like, he, I mean, we've criticized Dano this year. Those were two fantastic plays, and that's when the team really got out of the game got out of hand for, um, for 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 Winnipeg. If I'm not mistaken, the second Gallagher goal is when Hellebuck got got pulled. Yeah, he allowed four goals, and that was the fourth goal. So that's really when the game was 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 over. Uh, before that, it was still pretty close. Before those two goals by Gallagher, so don't want to take anything away from uh, from Dano there. 
No, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to hope that maybe this can get him going because yeah. obviously, I mean, we know he hasn't scored in, uh, I mean, well, he hasn't scored this season. I don't know when the last time he scored, <laughs> scored is. It's been over a year. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, hopefully, you know, even, even as far as Cisco, he hasn't, uh, and just, well, I mean, just his overall play, it really hasn't been uh, that great. But, you know, you hope, hopefully with the two assists, you know, that can sort of get him going here and, maybe get him back on track. Well, you know, we'll t- I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but maybe the, maybe some new line mates can uh, get him going too. And I think at this point, and I think maybe he is it, it, like, because there was a lot of talk about the off season and how he maybe potentially wasn't happy about a diminishes off diminished offensive role and all that. Maybe what he needed was a bit of a wake up call, which was his performance in the first half of the season. Cause it, it's not like, because uh, you talk about how he was uh, unhappy about a potential diminished role. He did not start this season with a diminished role at all. He got the same ice time, same line mates, same opportunities to produce the same he has in the last few years, and it just didn't happen. Maybe it's time for him to just embrace the fact that if he wants a long – and he's already had a, a solid career in the NHL, but if he wants to continue and have a, 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 a continued career in the NHL, he has to embrace his role as a shutdown guy. And that, that's how he's going to last in this league. And if he can embrace that role, that's going to mean a lot for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, Philip Deneau, uh, he, listen, he, he's not a top-line center on, on a good no team. No Even way. on a decent team. Yeah. He's he's a top line center on what you know. I mean, uh, as bad as the Canadians have been, you know, the last year or two, that's he's a top line center on a on a bottom feeding team. Yeah. You know, he is. You know, he he's the type of guy that's the third line center of a Stanley Cup winning team. Yeah. So if you know if if you know if Kakinyemi and Suzuki can continue to produce and and the Canadians can hang on to Deno, I mean, he is exactly the type of center that a Stanley Cup winning team has on their third line. And and here's the thing too, he does have value to this team, even when he's not producing just with the faceoffs. Because if you just not to jump ahead at game, if you just look at like yesterday's game, the faceoffs were pathetic for the Canadians. Deno with 48% was by far the best. The cut can be 33, Suzuki 40, Evans 0, 0%. 0%. So, and Dano at the end of last, yesterday's game, even though they still ended up losing, had two cru- crucial wins that, that could have gone a long way in, in, in securing the win. Of course, they still allowed, allowed the goal late, but still, there's a lot of value there. So if you can embrace that role, he had the most time on the PK, uh, as a forward at least. I mean, he is valuable to this team. He just has to understand what his place on the team is. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he, he he's a great penalty killer, though. You know, I think he's been you know, maybe maybe he hasn't been as good uh, the last the last little while on the PK as as we've seen in the last couple of seasons. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, he he's a type of guy. He's great defensively, obviously, always responsible. He, I mean, obviously, we don't have the best faceoff centers here <laughs> in Montreal, but he's definitely the guy that's that that we rely upon all the time to win that uh, that faceoff in the defensive zone at the, late in the game. And, you know, like you said, that's that's what we saw him do last night. And that's, you know, that's that that's that's the role that, that he he should be playing in the NHL. That's the role that he's playing now that Kakinami and Suzuki have sort of stepped up here. Yeah. That's a, that's his current role here in Montreal. And, you know, I mean, hopefully, ho- you know, hopefully he's going to be here for a while. I mean, obviously, it's it's going to have to make sense financially for him and the Canadians. But um 
I mean, yeah, he's you definitely got to think that he he's kicking himself for not accepting that contract no, earlier for, in the year. For, for sure. And 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 Belgium is, is celebrating now. Now the question <laughs> is: Is will he be able to swallow his pride and accept a smaller contract than what was offered to him initially? Because he's not going to get that contract. I don't know when exactly that contract was offered to him. I mean, more moves were made probably since uh, then, but. Unless he has, even if he has a miraculous second half of the season, I don't think a lot of people will be happy if he does end up signing that contract. I don't think he's he's worth that kind of that kind of money for for this team, and especially with how the kids are progressing. Well, I mean Suzuki honestly has taken a bit of a, I mean he's, he's slowed down a lot. I mean at, at the beginning of the year, if you if you were to run, run a poll, and there was plenty of those on Twitter actually, who do you see as having the highest potential? Uh, as a center for the Montreal Canadiens between Suzuki and, and, and Kutkinyemi. Suzuki would run away with it. Last couple of weeks, it's been Kutkinyemi. It's been the better of the two. I don't know. I wonder if the, the pull would, would, would flip. But it's it's kind of nice to see there's a bit of a competition there. But Kutkinyemi, since Duchamp has, uh, has showed up, has I don't know if he was just unhappy with uh, Julien or if just Duchamp understands more what is best for his game. He has been phenomenal. And... It's not just, I mean, he hasn't scored or he scored only I mean, maybe one goal. He's getting a lot of assists, power play assists. He's basically the power play quarterback for this team who has been amazing on the power play. And he's finishing, he's checking, he check, he, he's winning puck battles along the boards. He's just playing a complete, complete game. And he has some days where he's not bad on the faceoff because the, the 7-1 win against, uh, against Winnipeg, 87%. That's something you love to see. There is potential for him to get better at the faceoff. So you love seeing that for sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, the guy is, he's 20, maybe 21. I think he's still 20. He's younger than Romanov. He has so much potential, the kid. I mean, you know, that we knew that when we drafted him, he was going to be a long-term project. You know, yeah, he, he didn't, uh, the end of last season, well, the end of the last regular season, he obviously didn't have the best season, but you know, what we saw from him in the playoffs last season I mean, we saw the potential that he has. And finally, now with the coaching change, it's see, we seem to be seeing, seeing the same Kakinami that we saw in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, Suzuki, yeah, you know, he's still playing great. He's one of the best players, one of the best forwards, I think. But yeah, he he's not, he's taken a bit of a step back. You know, he's not playing bad, but uh, not exactly playing the same level that we saw earlier on the season and, and at times last season. But I mean, cooking Yemi, like the step that he's taken in yeah. just a few weeks that Duchamp has been, uh, uh, been, been the head coach. I mean, it's crazy, but you know, that that's what we're seeing. He's, I, I think he's playing with a lot of confidence. He knows his coach has a lot of confidence in him. Something that I don't think Claude Julien necessarily had. No. And, and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, you, you just mentioned it. He's putting him in, in places to succeed and, and I mean, he's he's playing his best hockey for sure. And like the thing with Kakiyami, we've said it from day one. He just if you give him the opportunity to improve, he improves and he gets and it just he gets. But and the thing is, too, is you look at the ice time and he actually hasn't gotten that much more ice time because he, he doesn't see the ice on the PK. He is playing on the power play. So uh, if, if there's a game, for example, where there's more PK minutes and power play minutes, he's not going to have that much ice time. But in general, he's still playing in less than, than Dano because Dano's getting paired up against. Uh, the the offensive uh, lines on the other side and playing on the PK uh, and and the Habs by the way are, I think they're twenty seventh in, in power play differential as far as they get penalized much more than they get power play so that's gonna hurt uh, someone like Kutkinyemi versus Dano in that sense but even though his time on ice is very similar under Duchamp than it was under Julien 
it feels like we he's playing more because the minutes he's on the ice, he's absolutely everywhere and he's just pressuring the other team and he just he's playing with a level of intensity that's great but the thing is is that we have to remember it's if you go back to suzuki if your top two centers are going to be like a 20 and a 21 year old of course there's going to be inconsistencies and of course there's going to be times where there's a drop very rarely has a rookie stepped in and been even the top rookie performances over the years, they go through some slumps. I mean, it's uh, or like not not necessarily they're not rookies anymore, but the young players. It, it, there's going to be inconsistency, and I think with Suzuki, there is a bit of when he everything went well for him when he when he went, joined the NHL, and he didn't really go through a slump, and he had no reason to kind of doubt himself and question himself. Everything was just working well for him, and now he's going through a bit of his first slump. The funny thing is though, he's still getting points here and there despite going through a bit of a slump, but he seems a bit more hesitant. You know, it, it, I'm not seeing the same confident Nick Suzuki that just kind of looks like he's he's been in the NHL for, for five, six years already, right? He He's looking a lot more like a young rookie slash second-year player in, in in these last few games, but I'm confident he'll find it again. I, I'm, I'm a little worried that maybe the, the, his struggles at the face-off are, are, are maybe affecting him. I mean... It means that when he's on the ice, the vast majority of the time, his line's not starting with a puck, right? Assume, assuming that he 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 starts with a with a line change. But the faceoffs are a huge problem for Suzuki. Even that that game against uh, against Winnipeg, where everyone else on the team had a fantastic day on the faceoff circle. Evans sixty seven percent, Dano fifty eight percent. I like I already said, Kachikami eighty seven percent, Suzuki twenty percent. I mean, he he was going up against the same people everyone else was, you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's really the one. The one biggest issue. Yeah, he. He's definitely slowed down a bit uh, the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, it's. It's been a big concern for the Canadians since day one. Really. I mean, you know, we. We sort of knew that this was going to be the issue heading into the season. You know, okay, Suzuki, Kekinemi. We saw what they could do in the last year's playoffs. We were hoping they were going to hit the hit the ground running again this season. But again, the concern was those faceoffs. You don't have Nate Thompson on that fourth line anymore. Now you have Jake Evans, who isn't exactly the best, no. the best faceoff guy either. So you have three young guys that aren't great at faceoffs, and you know, I mean, it it was always, you know, it, it was a concern heading into the season. You know, I mean, that's that's really the one thing that both of, I mean, Kukinami, I think, has gotten a lot better. I mean, yeah. and it's not not just that. Yeah, obviously that's ridiculous. Eighty-seven percent against Winnipeg. Uh, you you can't expect that uh, every night, obviously. No. But I mean, he he. You see, he's gotten a lot better. I, I mean, I don't have the numbers here in front of me, but I mean, you know, it, you're not seeing those. You know, one out of twelve, one out of eleven, really. You know, every night. Exactly. He, he, he's clearly put in the work. Yeah. I mean, if if you just look at small sample size, the last six games. I mean, I'm looking at last six games because they're since Jashom. Uh, took over. He's at 49.2%. And that's fine. Here's the thing. He he doesn't need to be, neither him nor Suzuki need to be a, a, like elite, like dominant face-off people. Like not, like not every center on your team is going to be dominant at the face-off circle. And plenty of fantastic, Connor McDavid is not even that good at face-offs and he's the best player in the NHL. They just can't be atrocious, right? They they, they just can't be so bad. So if, if Kucking Amy could keep up the level he's had, in, in the last little bit, and honestly, it was really the beginning year that it was bad. And, and Suzuki get to the same level, as long as you're hovering around the fifty percent mark, that's 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 totally fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, forty nine percent. That's fine. I mean, uh, you know, as, as long as you're not like you know hovering around forty yeah, percent, then it's exactly. a bit of a concern. But I mean, I think that's why you know the Canadians are probably going to have to before 
you know, the trade trade deadline probably add a fourth line center, you know, like a, like a Nate Thompson type guy, you know, that, that can be a little bit because even Deneau has not necessarily been great yeah. on the great in the faceoff circle as well. I mean, you know, he, he does seem to, you know, whenever we absolutely need that faceoff win at the end of the game, he does seem to come up pretty clutch, but you know, not, not as, not as big as he's been the last couple I mean, of seasons. I mean, both I times he's that extra. Yeah. The, both times he started the uh, overtime period for to win the faceoff, you know, the only reason to have him start overtime, he's lost it, right? Uh, so I mean, it, it's not it, is he still definitely the guy you want out there, regardless of how you think he's been playing. If you if there's, if it's a crucial faceoff late in the game, he's obviously the guy you want taking the draw. But uh, I agree. As much as I, I have liked Evans, uh, his play, he's actually been been worse than Nick Suzuki. Uh, if if you look at the, at the last few games uh, for faceoff percentage, so. It's just you can't yeah. have a fourth line center like that. Exactly, I mean, a fourth he line needs center. To. That that's your job. Exactly. And like at the beginning of the season, like I love what I saw from Jake Evans. I mean, I've always been a big Jake Evans fan, but yeah. Jake Evans fan. But what I saw from from him at the beginning of the season, the way he was killing penalties, I was like, wow. I mean, like I never expected this from Jake Evans. You know, Joel Bouchard has obviously done an amazing job with him, but he's slowed down a little bit. I'm yeah. not really seeing the same Jake Evans. Even on the PK, like he, I mean, the, the Canadians as a whole, their PK had really hasn't been that great as of late. I mean, obviously they, they started off, well, especially all the shorthanded goals at the beginning of the season, you know, were, were unprecedented, but um, yeah, I mean, we're not seeing the same thing from Jake Evans here. And, you know, I think, I think if they can add a, a veteran fourth line center and, you know, maybe Jake Evans plays a little bit on the wing. Maybe he, you know, sits out every couple of games. That's the thing. Evans doesn't need to be an everyday player. No. I mean, I will say that the PK has been better since both special teams. So as far as the power play goes, since Duchamp came in, the Montreal Canadiens are number one in the league with 45.5%. I mean, of course, it's a small sample size. It's only six games, but they're by far number one in those six games. The second place is Tampa Bay at 36%, right? So obviously, they're not going to keep up that pace 45.5, but it's a great sign. And I keep saying Duchamp, but... Props to Alex Burrows. We know he runs the power play, and it, we've seen it too, right? It, it's not like all of a sudden the, the the Shea Weber point shots have started to go in. It's no, they they changed the strategy, and it's made an immediate impact. And the big change has honestly been Cut Kanyemi. I mean, he hasn't he, he he's really been the power the power play quarterback, and every goal has been scored with his his unit on the ice. I mean, not to take obviously anything away from any, everyone else on the ice, but. It, it, it's it's been it's been great to see, but the PK hasn't been bad either. Eighty-two point four percent, which is good for tenth in the league in that six-game span. So it, it's been better with uh, with with Dushan at the at the helm for sure. Yeah, no, I mean uh, special special teams have yes, I mean since the coaching change, obviously it's it's been very good. I mean Alex Burrows. I mean, what can you say about the uh, you know what the, the difference that he's made? And like you said, I mean it's not just a uh, you know yes, obviously it's a very small sample size, but you know, they, they, they've obviously changed up the strategy a lot. You know, again, it's, you know, when we talked about this last week, it's not just, oh, pass it over to Weber, pass it over to Weber, miss the net, pass yeah. it back to Weber, miss the net again. You know, it's... They, oh, you forgot the part where he misses the net so wide that it actually clears yeah, the zone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, if you remember, last year against, uh, I think it was the elimination game, actually, against Philadelphia... It, 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 he took the kind of last shot of the season, and 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 that's what happened. He completely missed mm -hmm. the net, and it cleared the zone, and it was game over basically. It was either the elimination game, it was a crucial game, it was a must-win situation, and that's what happened. You know, it's 
kind of a sign of things to come with uh, with Shea Weber. Because because let's talk about that. The two one loss. I mean, there was puck luck yesterday that that made it that it was still one nothing for the Canadians at the end. It was a few posts. Price had another great game, but I mean, it was Weber's shot there at the end of the game, and that's the it did not look good, and they allowed the last goal. He was all by himself to get that last goal. It's, it's unacceptable. They need to get separated. Those two. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Weber got got beat a couple. I mean, obviously the the goal uh, from Adam Gaudet was definitely Sherrod's fault. I yeah. don't, I for the life of me, I, I I don't know what the hell he was thinking, what he saw. I don't know. I like how was he like, especially with 40 seconds left in the game, it's a one nothing yeah. lead. How does that happen? I, I just I don't, don't understand, but I mean, yeah, there was a lot of, it wasn't just that time, you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of times where they were getting beat. Weber got beat to the outside a couple of times and price, you know, made, had to make a couple of big saves. Uh, it's just not working. I mean, and, and everybody seems to see it. That was the big topic on Twitter today that they had to break up Sharon and Weber. It just doesn't, it, it's not working. I mean, the two guys that with that little speed, it's just not going to work. Uh, you know, and I, I just think he'll do better. They'll both do better uh, on, on separated one, and in a yeah. lesser role. I mean, I but at this point I don't really want to see Weber on the power play because there was that one play where he just missed, like he just lost the puck uh, on the power play at the point, and then it, it cleared the zone, and he almost let a breakaway through, and then he kind of dove, missed the puck, and then did the hand pass, which by the way. He absolutely closed his hand on the puck. Like the Canadians got very lucky that he didn't get a penalty in in, in that moment, and it was just and he, he you could see he was extremely frustrated when he got to the bench. I mean, not, nothing against Weber. He's obviously had a fantastic career. He's, he's he's apparently a great leader in the locker room and all that, but he's obviously taken a step back. And when it comes to these types of veterans, he knows how to play hockey. He 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 knows how to be a smart player, but he just can't be used in the same kind of role. The team has to accept that he has taken a step back and use him accordingly, or else it's just going to get worse. No, exactly. I mean, Jeff Petrie is obviously the best, the best defenseman on the team right now. Mm-hmm. He's one. I mean, he should definitely be in the talk for the Norris trophy. Right. At this exactly. Point. You know, I mean, uh, Weber is the second defenseman at this point. You know, I think, I mean, I think he, he, he's still a, a, a very serviceable, serviceable defenseman. You know, you have to put him with the right partner. That absolutely. the right partner is absolutely not Ben Sherratt. I mean, I think I, mean, I think he could be really good. You know, Romanov. I think that would be a really good pairing. I think if you put him with Kulak, that wouldn't be a bad idea either. You know, someone that's a little bit more mobile. That you know, if he does get beat by the outs, you know, the, on the outside or whatever, someone that that'll be able to give him a hand. You know, the where he's not necessarily because with Sherratt, I mean, I think, you know, Weber's probably the more offensive solution of them of the both of them, I guess. So, you know, you, you want someone that's going to be able to move the puck a little bit, a little bit better, you know, then because yeah. obviously Weber's not really the guy that's going to be making the first pass out of the zone on a defensive pairing. Maybe even Mete, you know, any of those guys are definitely a better solution than Sherratt. Anything there would look better. And it's like, yeah. what has Sherratt done? That has earned him so much leeway. Like I know he was solid at times last year, but he started off poorly, and and now he's giving so many opportunities to kind of figure it out. As if, like Weber, I get it. It's it's freaking Shea Weber, 
but Ben Sherratt is is just Ben Sherratt. I mean, he's it's not like he's he's he was ever any sort of elite defenseman. He he's not really a real number two defenseman. I don't think on any team in the NHL. It's just the position he was put in here. He had some good moments last year, and it's not going well now. So let's move on. Like I I don't get what what's what's taking so long. Honestly, I'm loving the moves Dushama is doing as far as as the forward group goes, but the defense not so much. The thing is, is my understanding though is that. He's still very much it's it's Luke Richardson, right? That's taking care of the defense. Is he just letting Luke Richardson do whatever he wants on that? But like, I just step in. Like, it, 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 it reminds me when everyone knew Julien was doing things wrong, and it, it, it's like everything people on Twitter or or on anywhere were saying needed to change when Julien was a coach. Jushama has basically made those changes, and it's been better. So so clearly there, we're we're all seeing it. It's the same thing. We're all seeing it. Except the people making the decisions. What's taking so long? No, I, I don't understand it. I mean, it 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 seems so obvious. I mean, everybody else seems to be doing pretty good, you know. I mean, uh, obviously Edmondson is is playing great at this point. He's looking great beside Petrie. That that pairing is looking good. Romanov. I mean, you know, Romanov's had his ups and downs, but. Uh, you know, for the most part, I think he he sort of bounced back. I mean, like any rookie, you know, especially on defense, you know, he'll yeah. have the the hiccups. You know, Kulak's Kulak's been pretty serviceable as well. But you know, again, you don't have to put Kulak or Romanov in uh, in getting top minutes either. I think you know Edmondson and Petrie at this point could could take the bulk of the minutes, and then you know you have Weber in that second pairing with with Romanov and Kulak or Kulak. And I think that would be pretty solid. I mean, I think Weber still is a good option on the power play as long as he's not the, the absolute number one option. I think he's just like, just having Weber out there is, is a threat that it'll open up room for the other players on the ice. I mean, is it, is it, or have other teams figured it out that he's not that much of a threat and they just kind of let him have that, that, that shot at this point, because at this point I'd rather see Romanov get those minutes on the power play, especially on the power play, because that 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 there the his potential mistakes he might make on uh, defensively that's not as much of a concern, right? Because you're on you're on the power play, but the the way he handles the puck at the blue line and maybe he doesn't have the same booming shot, but he can control the play a lot better. He can kind of skate along the blue line and keep the play alive a lot better than than Shea Weber can at this point in the, in his career. He he's definitely needs to be the second unit kind of guy. But I I I like seeing Petrie and both Petrie and Romanov way ahead of uh of Weber on the power play even at this point. But as far as just the five on five pairings go, we're seeing the mistake, the mistakes that they're worried Romanov might make if he's playing bigger minutes with Weber are already happening with Ben Sherratt. Like why not just have Romanov in that role? And we just accept that there might be some mistakes. The only logical reason why that he might not want to do it is he's worried about kind of rushing Romanov in the situation where it might kind of hurt his progression if he's put in too much difficult situations. But try it for a couple of games. Like I don't know. Yeah. No, exactly. And then if it doesn't work out, man, put Kulak there. If that doesn't yeah. work out, put Mete there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, do you have Xavier Willett now too on the taxi squad? Put Xavier Willett in yeah. there. What, I mean, yeah. why not? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but the one thing I will say, like I, I found a lot of people were really freaking out after a lot. I get it. It's it's frustrating. The three on three look really bad, really bad, and the, the the team just can't win in overtime. But I, I, I were you watching the RDS feed or the the TSN feed yesterday? I was watching the TSN feed. So I, I don't know if they mentioned this on on the TSN feed, but on on RDS, uh, Mark Denis mentioned this, and 
here's the thing. I, I know fans don't like hearing this, and it just sounds like an excuse, but the schedule and travel is absolutely a real thing that affects players. And that's what happened in the third yesterday. It was in, incredibly obvious. And, and back then he kind of called it before it even happened, is that what happens when you're an East Coast team, he, 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 he compared it to back when he played in Columbus, and he would spend a lot of games. Play, Columbus always had a rough schedule at first because they would play on the West Coast a lot. And when you get to that point where you're in the third period and your home time is like, – we have friends that couldn't finish the game because they fell asleep on their couch. Okay. I think that's a lot of people imagine beyond the ice, right? And I get it. They're professional athletes that there's, it's their job. They have a certain level, but it happens. It happens. It, it was their first game on a road trip. It was late. And clearly they, they were completely out of energy in overtime. It was even more apparent. I mean, I was worried the last 40 seconds after, after Vancouver tied it, that they were going to lose the game because they were, are they were struggling. They were struggling just to get it to overtime because they were dead tired and they, 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 they just couldn't really make that last push to not get the game to go to overtime. As soon as it went to overtime, it, it was lost. Even, I'm surprised they survived the three-on-three, three, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely look pretty lost there. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that, that it does play into it. So, I mean, like, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a th- it's a three-hour difference. Right. And yeah, and like you said, I mean, they're, they're, they're pro athletes and all that, but you know, you, they get, they have, I think any game day, they have like this really specific routine that they go yeah. through and then they're thrown off of that routine. Exactly. You know what I mean? Especially you know, the first game of a road trip, right? That's what yeah, yesterday was. Exactly. They had just got there. They, they, so they had the plane routine. Like tomorrow I expect better because you've been in Vancouver for a couple of days. You have a couple of days to adjust a little bit, you know, your practice schedule adjusts and all that. But it's to be expected. And there's there's games that are just – if you ask a coach to go over his schedule when it first releases, he can, he, he'll probably be able to circle a few games where he can tell you right away we're probably going to lose these games. Because it is what it is, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a schedule situation where it's a rough – and what's let's look at the positives. They almost stole – they dominated still in the first two periods, absolutely. And then Price almost – won the game for that was price's best game of the season and all yeah, take an ot loss for price's best game of the season because his last three games he's been playing great and it's not getting talked about that much i feel like if price has figured it out this is a game changer it's an absolute game changer oh absolutely uh, i mean it, we all know i mean pre- anytime the canadians have, have had success over the last over a decade i mean basically 15 yeah. well maybe not 15 years but anyway it's it's when price has been playing good yeah. hockey and i mean it it, I mean, it's only three games, but man, he's looking, uh, he's looking dialed in for sure. Exactly. It's no, not just that the stats are there. If you watch him play, he just looks more confident and he, it's the, the classic price where he's making it look easy. Like he's, yeah. he's in the right spot 30 seconds before he needs to be there, you know? Well, that's exactly what it is, man. That's when price has played his best hockey is mm-hmm. when he's moving as little as possible. Yeah. He's just making these, these small, subtle movements. He's not constantly moving searching searching for the puck you know through through the crowd and i mean that, that, that i don't know man with stefan wait like and, and i remember like before, right before he got fired like seeing price obviously price was struggling and you saw him like doing these these little things in practice with stefan wait like he was like holding like this like the stick and to to keep like his two arms close to his body yeah and i'm just thinking like what a weird fucking exercise for a goalie to do like 
it it just it obviously was not working with, with Stefan Wade. I mean, I, I don't know. If he was, it just seemed like he was searching for answers and it just wasn't working. You could see Price wasn't again. He was just his move. He was moving way too much. And the best the best hockey that Price plays is when he's being conservative yeah. with movements. And that's that's what we're seeing. And you here's know? the thing, too. Price clearly had a lot of respect for Stefan Wade. Yeah, he, he wasn't part of the decision to get him fired, and it's definitely not a situation where the player wanted him gone, which is kind of like when we first heard anything that's kind of the what a lot, I think a lot of people were, were thinking. We, the, the report came out, like Stefan Wade himself said he, he spoke to Price for a long – like Price went to see him, uh, if I'm not mistaken, after he got fired to, to kind of like, you know, just talk to him and, and everything. And so, so clearly they had a good relationship, which means that if – White was kind of giving him the wrong information. Price was taking that in, and he was going with it for sure. So, as harsh as, and as weird as the timing war was and everything, it's 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 a short. You know, it's only three games since it happened, but so far Bergman looks looking like really smart. That was definitely the right move. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it pays off, you know, moving forward. But uh, I mean, so far, you know, it's it's paying dividends. Uh, getting rid of Stefan Way. We'll see what happens when Sean Burke gets here. Obviously, he's working with the uh, the Laval Rocket yeah. goalie coach uh, Marco Marciano right now. But even, you know, I mean, one of the things that uh, that Marciano had him working on is is holding his hands in front of him and really following the puck into directly into his glove or into his blocker. And you yeah. can see Carey Price took that into heart. And actually, that's I think Carey Price a lot of the time he seems to struggle in shootout. Yeah. And the saves that he made last night, that's exactly what it was. It was because yeah. his, his arms were in front of him. He was watching watching the puck into it, into his body or into his glove. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's just little things. But Exactly. Even know, though they lost in the shootout cool. yesterday, he yeah. did look good, I thought. It's just a horrible, beautiful shot. You know, sometimes yeah. you just get beat, you know? But, uh, no, I definitely like what I'm seeing from Carey Price. You know, so, yeah, and, and, I mean, the team as a whole, you know, I mean, they, they deserve, I think they deserve to win last night. Oh, for sure. For sure. Demko but, was great last night, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. It, it, it was kind of, it's, it, and you, no one expected a goalie duel. I mean, the first few games where we did, where the Canadians didn't blow, blow out Vancouver, I was shocked we kept seeing Holtby out there. It, it, it took, it took them a long time to realize that he, Holtby's not the situation there anymore. It's, it, it's Demko. And De, Demko is coming off. Yeah, I think getting third starter in, in the league. Like he, Demko's been playing very, very well. It's not just a situation where the Canadians made the goalie look good. Demko has been solid for for, for a little bit here. So it, it is what it is. It was a goalie matchup, and then once it got to the third, basically the only way this this, this team was going to win on that first game on a road trip with how tired they were going to be at the end of the game is if they had a, like a more of a two three goal cushion going into the third. Once it was still one nothing, I wasn't feeling that great, honestly. Once it got to the, to the third and it was still one nothing, you see you see this happen all the time, where the team's dominating, absolutely dominating. In every sport, this happens, but the other team is still kind of keeping the score close. Oftentimes, that's when you see a team lose, because eventually it's going to flip, and and then and then it's and then it's over. The other team takes it. They still got a point, and at the end of the day, it sucks that we keep getting the those those loser points, but. Uh, it's only six regulations lost still so far for the Montreal Canadiens this year. It's just really, really fucking good. Yeah, six six regulation losses, but seven uh, <laughs> seven over yeah. well, overtime and shootout losses, right? So. Still, I mean, they they count in the standings those points, right? So. Yeah, but every time that happens, you're giving the other team uh, extra points, right? I mean. No, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but it's just it's it's 
like if you look at the the, the response on Twitter, I was surprised at the response on Twitter after the, the OT loss yesterday. If you, if you look at it, like they, they're getting more points than not in every single game. I'm feeling good, and the, they're trending in the right direction with the changes from Sham and all that, and the the power play and the PK is looking better. Price is looking better. Okay, they lost the game 2-1 in overtime. Don't freak out. Everything else is looking way better for the team. I feel pretty confident with the way they're playing that they have still a good ch- chance of finishing seven, second in the, in the division at this point. I still see see them as the second best team in the division. And the way Toronto is playing, I, I know Toronto has had their, their history of playing pretty poorly in the playoffs, but they're, they're, they're clearly the top team in this division, and I'd still rather not have to face them in the first round. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Toronto's going to be a tough out uh, for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, yes, it, it, they're going to be close, you know, with, I think Winnipeg's right there with the Canadians. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, the Canadians have struggled, well, aside from Saturday's yeah. game, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely doing good. Uh, we, we've obviously seen a lot of improvement since the coaching changes. Um, but man, they get, they got to, they can't let those points slip. They can't well, no, give those well, free points to other, you know, to, to teams like Vancouver, especially that's like right behind them or right with them. Well, not, I guess not. Man, are they like Vancouver? I'd be shocked at Vancouver at this point. They, 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 they dug too much of a hole, like for them. So they, let me see. like they're, they're fifth. Like, I guess they're only three points behind, but the Habs have five games in hand yeah. on, on the, on the, like if you actually look at, uh, at point percentage, uh, the Canadians are third or ahead of Edmonton because they have three games in hand yeah. on uh, on Edmonton and and they're just they're just behind Winnipeg still right so uh, I I still feel pretty and here's the thing whether they finish second or third doesn't really make a difference I mean does first the Canadians have been bad at home anyways right so might as well be <laughs> be on the road for the playoffs you know yeah no for sure it's it uh, as long as as long as they finish in the play yeah second or third obviously you don't don't really want to be going against Toronto in the first round but. Uh, you know, if if Carey Price can keep his form, then uh, yeah, you got to be feeling confident. And oh, and I mean, they absolutely. they just seem to be getting better and better each game anyway. Exactly. Um, you know, even though still, they, there's still only two weeks into a, a, a coaching change, right? Which yeah. and, the, and there we're already seeing. The, and the thing is, is that like oftentimes you see uh, the the record flip a little bit with a coaching change, but it's it, sometimes it just it's more about the the adrenaline or the momentum of, of of a team going through the coaching change, and you see an immediate impact. But th- that's not what's happening here. If you're watching the games and you were watching under Claude Julien, there's been clear changes to the the fundamentals and to the system that's in place, and that's what's making things better. And you've got to think if it's already looking better, it's just going to get better and better as the team gets more used to the, the these new changes. I mean, the one thing that might kind of regress a little bit is is the power play. Like, I don't think it's going to stay at almost fifty percent the 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 whole year. I mean, and that makes sense because also other teams are going to eventually figure out, okay, they're not just running everything through Shea Weber anymore. We have to kind of adapt how we play against them and all that. But it's still, I'm still very confident it's going to be better than it's been. Right. So. Overall, I, I'm feeling good, and there's no reason to panic after that 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 last loss. None at all. No, definitely not. It, it, it's a, obviously a frustrating loss. Um, it, I mean, it, it was a three on three too. That man, it, it it just was not pretty. Right? But they were dead. They were dead. Yeah, you could yeah, tell I mean, I, they I, had no energy. They just couldn't keep up with them. That's re- it, it. It didn't look like a team that didn't know how to play three on three. It looked like a team that were completely out of energy that that's what i saw at, at, at least yeah i mean maybe that did did play into it obviously like you said the travel um matt one thing that i really didn't like though was thomas tatar 
the between the legs play like yeah. what are you doing man like come on like and like it wasn't even close like yeah. it, like it's like the move and i remember like as i saw him coming to take the shot i'm like what the hell kind of angle is he taking here but like, yeah. and he was coming so slow at it too like it was never going to work and, and it's, it's like it'd be one thing if Tatar had been on a roll where he's like exactly. killing it lately and he's feeling himself and all that. You don't get yourself out of a slump by doing that. I'm assuming or at least hoping that he did that because he's pulled it in practice a few times and it's worked well for him. Like I'm assuming. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It, it was a bit <laughs> of an iffy choice. It, Tatar doesn't seem like like the sharpest guy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> that, that that's definitely true <laughs> you know, <laughs> seem like the sharpest guy but yeah i mean like you said though like yeah you, you'd you'd expect it if maybe he was like on fire like he just scored two goals or he's you know uh, on a goal per game pace or whatever but he's obviously been struggling quite a bit this season yeah. maybe he seems to have picked it up uh well it's mostly on the power play the last couple of games but uh nah not what i i don't know i never like to see those type of plays anyway to be honest with you but yeah whatever all right and now the the, the news today which uh, which is interesting is uh the lines have changed again and i mean i I'm, at first i was kind of worried uh when i saw so so i mean i mean the lines of practice of course that kk was already separated from from uh from from doy and uh, and anderson but i i do like this and this is actually in line with uh what we were talking about uh, last week so you have doy suzuki and anderson back together uh, and I I don't see anything wrong with that. Mike might help Suzuki to uh, having Anderson back up back on on his wings. It's, it was working so well at the beginning of the year. But then second line, and this is how they they this is how this is from Marc Andre Perrault's Twitter account, who's a reporter for TVA, and he has him first, second, third based on on how they were running the drills, right? So they had KK as second line center with Defoli and Gallagher. Now this I fucking love. I'm so happy we're gonna see Kachinimi play with Gallagher, uh, hopefully in, in in the game. I just really think Gallagher could be great for, for, for the kids. You know, he doesn't need – Dano doesn't need Gallagher next to him anymore. And Gallagher, he's still kind of under the radar scoring a lot of goals this year, right? He, he He's he's doing pretty pretty good in that aspect. I, I, I'm excited to see what that, that can do because KK has turned into the best playmaker on this team. He just – the passes he makes are beautiful. And Gallagher's a finisher. That's what he does. He's And he, he knows where to go. He's going to be in the right spot at all times. I'm I'm excited for this. I think they can actually go really well together. I think those are like if I was going to put the lines, that's exactly what I would do. I think those are the perfect yeah. lines. I mean, you know, we talked earlier about Suzuki. He's sort of been struggling. The most success he's had this season has been with Wayne Anderson. Yeah. And I mean that that line is definitely clicked. I mean that that's that line is probably I would I, I mean they've had some down moments, but like yeah. when they were on, they were the hottest line that the well, Canadians I mean have had this season. Let's just talk about Anderson here. I didn't realize how much of an impact he made on this team because he was noticeable immediately when he was back in the lineup. Yep. That that like that that skilled big body fast guy like he he made some a, a few stupid plays as far as like poor shots uh, on on some rushes uh, late in the game yesterday. But just the energy he brings just transforms the team completely, and I can see it transforming Suzuki for sure. Oh yeah, I mean he like. It they they keep saying like I think Craig Button was saying it last night like he's there's not very many players like him yeah like I like I feel like that's something that like you know such a cliche thing to say yeah 
And like the, you know, I remember, I remember people saying that when the Canadians first got Anderson, uh, and like I didn't didn't really know, like I knew who Josh Anderson was, but I really yeah. didn't, you know, he was in Columbus. I didn't see him play that often. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. He's a big guy, whatever. Who, you know, he's, he's a power forward. Okay, but man, when you see this guy play, like there really is not very many players that that have that size and that speed. No. Like it's crazy. Like you say, like even when he doesn't score, he's throwing the body around. He's he's getting a bunch of body checks. I have him on my fantasy team. He's 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 huge, huge for yeah, me. Even yeah. when he doesn't score, he's he's getting the you know he's racking up the hits for me. And just and having that player up. that puts his head down and drives the net, you know, we don't have exactly. that along this team. It's great. It, it it just changes everything. And 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 he still seems to surprise a defense when when with his speed. Like even though they obvious because I feel like it doesn't matter how many tapes you've watched or scouting reports on the player. You're told before the game he's fast. Then you see this big guy coming at you. You're like, oh, he can't be that fast. And he's just, it's deceptive. He's so quick. Yeah. He, he just puts it into another gear, you know, yeah. and blows past the defenseman like a couple times a game. It's crazy. And then you have that second line. I and mean, I think Gallagher and, T- and Toffoli are two perfect guys to play with him, too. Kukinemi, yeah. like, the best hockey he's played, you know, and he's playing that type of hockey right now is when he throws the body around, he's being, you know, he's all over the ice, not afraid to be physical. And that's, you know, two, two guys to Foley and Gallagher. I mean, that's, that's what they can do too. And I think a really good point, I, I forget who it was on Twitter. It was one of the, one of the guys in the media wrote that, you know, I think probably a, a big reason that Deneau has is so good in the face-offs and has higher, um, you know, face-off win rate is because he has Gallagher there. Are fighting, you kidding me right now? Fighting. I said that in the last podcast. You said you did. Yes, that is that is the media guy that you're referencing. Really? No. Anyway, some well then then well, some, somebody somebody in the media somebody in the media listens to the Habs forum because oh, they yeah, somebody somebody put, apparently put you that don't apparently you don't listen to that. <laughs> no, but, but it's anyway, true. It's, it's true. Gallagher makes yeah, a huge difference in the faceoff circle because he's that winger that he he's so quick to jump on the puck. If if it's one of those faceoffs that are kind of where it's basically a tie, he's oftentimes the first one who gets there. And because you know, we don't know Gallagher. He's been doing it for years. He's always going at 110 percent. And that's the you want that guy. We've always said this about Gallagher. It doesn't matter who you play him with. He's going to make his line play better. And you want that type of player, especially now that he's a veteran, playing with the kids. So I I, I want to see him with either KK or Suzuki. And the the one thing with this lineup though. Is I don't know. I, I love the top six, Tatar, Tatar, Dano, and, and Armia. I'm curious to see how they do, but I'm not too confident. I I, I don't know, man. Armia, he, you know, he has his flesh. He, he's a limited player, right? He he's not a guy that should really be playing in your top six. But he's a guy that you know can can. First of all, he's good defensively. We know that, and he's a guy that can chip in a decent amount of goals every once in a while. Uh, and I think. You know, Tatar and Dano, they're very responsible defensively, so that's going to be a great defensive line. But I think, you know, Tatar and Dano, they need sort of a change of uh, of scenery. Maybe, yeah. you know, obviously Gallagher is amazing, but, you know, may- maybe Armia can just be that new sort of, you know, uh, what a new line mate to get them out of their their funk. But, you know, at, at worst, I think they're going to be a great shutdown line. And, I mean, there are three guys that can, that can put up points. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to chip in every once in a while. But, yeah, you're going to have to rely more on that top six. Definitely. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's the thing. If, if if that's what we're saying, that that line is more embraced as the as the shutdown line, 
I'm uh, I'm fine with it. And the, and then the fourth line is just the usual Byron Evans and uh, and Perry. What's not really been talked about a lot because that. Yeah, you know, it's still a good, it's still a good line. Um, you know, it's. It, but I think Lankin we saw not it. seeing the ice at all, though. I mean, was he playing yeah. that poorly? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's that's weird. Like, I, I'd rather have him than Byron. I think. I, I mean, mean, Byron has shown some flashes of his, of his speed yeah. still being there sometimes. Uh, like it's it's. I don't mind Byron being in and out of the lineup, but I, I do like. Yeah, I, I just. I don't know. If you like Lekkonen's good on the PK too, right? Although the PK has been good the last few games, anyways. I mean, if anything, I I I don't know what By- Byron played a game or two. I think at center when Duchamp first took over. I don't know how what his faceoff uh, percentage was exactly, but I mean, I think I'd rather have Byron there at center just so you can have Lekkonen and Perry. But man, I don't know, man. Lekkonen should be in the top twelve, I think. You know, he's no, not I, I think so too. Horrible. I think so, and and like I don't. It, it must be frustrating for him too because there's there's seemingly no reason for him to to not get these to to, to just get benched. You know, it's like I get it. He doesn't really like provide a lot offense uh, offensively, but I don't know. He's he, he's great on the PK. He's just and he he's just a reliable play, player. And and by the way, if you look at the last six games, it, NHL.com is not telling me how many faceoffs he took. But in the last six games, Byron has the number one faceoff percentage on the team at 55.6%. I'm assuming it's a very small sample size, but I'm, I, I, I have to look it up. But well, that's uh, yeah, that's definitely that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I would do. I mean, you know, Jake yeah, so Evans just bench a Jake Evans, yeah. But I think that, I think that makes sense. Lekkonen has should definitely be in the top 12. But I mean, you know, I, I guess it's a good problem to have, right? Having this much depth. Yeah, I mean, so it seems like it was it's a very small sample size because overall for this season, Paul Byron's actually at 38.5%. Um, so he might have just had a few a few faceoffs here or there that that he uh, that he won lately. But yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm not against trying it again. I mean, it's not like he's gonna be that much worse than Evans in the faceoff, you know. But no, like you said, I I think that's gonna be the move though. That's it's gonna be making a move to it's like if one of those guys was an elite faceoff guy, it, it would go a long way to to making that fourth line a really, really strong fourth line. They, they just need another guy that can win those key faceoffs. Probably a right-handed guy to compliment Dano, you know? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's you know, probably the most realistic addition yeah. they'll make the uh, the end of the season. The, the most needed is still a puck-moving left, left defenseman, like it has been for, like, five years. But like you said, more realistic at the end. The, like the one, the one name that's in that the, a lot of people have been mentioned is because Nashville is kind of in rebuild mo- mode. It's a uh, Ekholm in Nashville, who is a solid defenseman. I think would be a great addition. Just don't know how much it's going to cost. Uh, first of all, they'd have to move salary the other way too, right? So yeah, well, exactly. I mean, do the Canadians really have enough cap space? You know, they they'd have to move someone out. Hey, if they want to take Ben Sherrod off our hands, I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That that would be great. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the Canadians definitely have the assets to move out. But, I mean, let's not forget, you know, if, if he's coming from a U.S. team, there's going to be the the whole quarantine, which sure. is, you know, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's a few weeks away. You know, well, we won't see, that's too the much thing, though. Now, but... but that's the thing, though. Because of the quarantine thing, you, you kind of want these trades to happen sooner rather than later, right? You, you don't want to wait all the way to the trade deadline. Because here's the thing. You, you add a guy like Ekholm to this team. And that is a huge, huge improvement. 
And, yeah. and like he has the hit. I mean, I don't know how much they played together, but I mean, they were on the same team. Team him, him and Weber. Obviously, Ekholm was was much younger back back then. But I mean, his cap is is three point seven five, which is not that crazy. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to 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 move salaries around within the trade to make it work. And I'd I'd be willing to give give a good pick and a and and a pretty good prospect. Like we talked about last podcast, how there's an overabundance of, of great left-handed pro deep left deep prospects on the Canadians. If, if we move one, of, and here's the thing, he, he's got two years left on his contract. I would, I would give a good, I, I would give a good patch, uh, package for Ekholm. It, it would be is? huge. He's a uh, 30, 30. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely made, especially with two years left if that much, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, Again, I, I don't know how they would do it with the cap space. I mean, you'd have to ideally, if you could move a guy like Sherratt, that's probably a lot easier said than done, I would think. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, we talked about it on the last last podcast. Yes, I mean, they have a, a, an abundance of left uh, left-handed defensemen. A guy like Jaden Struble, who apparently is in in trade talks at this point. You know, you move a Jaden Struble and maybe you know an, another pick, maybe a second round pick. I don't know if I move a first round pick, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it could definitely make sense. And you know, I, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't think Bergevin is going to be shy if there's a way that he can improve the team. No, you know, to, to uh, he's definitely going to do it. And like the basically, you'd need Nashville to take equal salary, and it would be basically the two guys. If you look at it, it's it's Paul Byron and uh, and Ben Sherratt. And I, I I would I would assume I don't know if they would be willing to take. See, if you add Paul Byron, you're probably going to have to sweeten the deal a little bit more because he's got a few years on the contract at three point four. Uh, but 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 maybe it's possible, and like you said, I think I think Bergman would be willing to make that. Deal. I mean, I I I'd be. That's the thing we I, we've talked about on this podcast basically since we started a podcast. Is this team needs puck moving lefty? Romanov is progressing progressing beautifully, so there's that. But if you add another guy, that would go such a long way. Yeah, no, that that, that would definitely be a great move. Again, it's going to be complicated, but man, like. I, uh, Bergevin is going to make a move. I, I can't see him not yeah. making. He, I mean, you got to think like if, if it, if they really, I mean, okay. I mean, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. No, no. but it's not, like, not anymore. No, no. Like I had know. my doubts when Janine was still here and it seemed like the team wasn't going to do anything, but I'm pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs. But I really don't think, you know, I mean, that, that's been a criticism of Bergevin in the past that, you know, he's been, you know, slow and making these moves and scared to make a, a big move of giving up assets to get yeah. something that we really need. I don't think that's, he, he knows that now's, now's the time, you know? So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did something bold again, it's going to be complicated with COVID and that, but uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked. That's for sure. I think if the, especially if the team strings along a few, a few wins here and really you start seeing like, okay, this coaching change has made a big difference. We're back to being a solid team. Price is playing well. Okay, we might back, be back to talking about the team as a potential contender, you know? Then he has to make a move. He has to make a move, and he he has to be he, he has to see the same thing thing we do, and it's and it's it's on defense. And that here's the thing: I'm almost I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if he doesn't add a center, a fourth line center. But if he just does that. It's like okay, I mean, good. That that's that's, that's a smart move. Is that really going to move the needle that much? If he on top of that can can add a solid defenseman to to play top four minutes for this team, 
Now, now, like we will be able to talk about Bergevin once again as a potential GM of the year candidate. Yeah, now we're definitely talking for sure. If they can make the the, the center, like you said, 110, percent they're they're going to make that move. Yeah, it's probably not going to be very expensive. I, I mean, I think like a Nate have, Thompson type. Like an, it's, it's exactly like a Nate what's Thompson. Be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were talking to me yesterday on TSN. Uh, you know, while they were doing the broadcast, there Brandon Sutter is a guy that, that yeah. Vancouver will probably move out. He could potentially be an option as well. Um, you know, I don't I don't know about his his cap hit and all that, but uh, you know, guys like that. I mean, I don't know about Ottawa if they have any fourth line. You know, no, probably not. There's more more young guys, but I mean, Nate Thompson. Why why not? He loved his time here. Yeah. Seem to be a good locker room guy. He's a guy that can win faceoffs, obviously, for us. So, I mean, there's, I definitely think there's options out there. But yeah, the puck moving oh, defenseman boy. might be a little bit more complicated. But you Brandon make those. Sutter makes four point three seven five. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that would that'd be pretty complicated. Yeah. That's probably not gonna work unless they want to take Ben Sherratt. Yeah. <laughs> maybe then we could maybe then we could work it out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that'll definitely happen. And then, it, man, if they can also add a puck moving defenseman, those are really the, the only two holes right now. Yeah, and I think puck moving is it would be, it would improve the team that much more. I think that would be huge. I'm telling you, like I, it's just rumors. But if this team could get their hands on Ekholm, oh my god, I would lose my mind. I would I would be ex- so excited. And uh, and then aside from that, the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, so Cole Caulfield's season uh, has uh, has ended. They're on to the the playoffs. So we talked a few podcasts ago about the fan vote for the Hobie Baker, and. Uh, during the podcast, trying to figure out how it works, we were very confused because it seemed like it determined who won to Hobie Baker. We were wrong. That that is not the case at all. It determines. It's like one percent of the vote. It's it, it it's it's very minor. It's just a, a way to get the fans involved in the voting. And if you haven't been following it, Cole Coffin actually lost and by quite a bit. And I don't even remember who the other guy that, that he lost to. But basically, what happened? Toronto Maple Leafs fans are so petty. It's not enough that they're first in the division, despite the fact that they can't win a playoff series. We'll see what happens this year. That the whole Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter got together to just pick some guy to vote so just so Cole Caulfield wouldn't win. <laughs> Is anyone surprised? It's like, and then they wonder why everyone hates them. That that's the one thing that brings every other team together as far as the Canadian division goes and all that. Even the West Coast teams hate the Leafs. Everyone hates the Leafs. Everybody hates them. Oh God. Yep, they're they're terrible. But anyway, but whatever. like you just said, it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't Caulfield. count for anything. At the end, of Caulfield, that goal he scored in his last game of, of uh that that did you see that picture where you could, it was a different angle to where he, he there was the tiniest sliver of a hole and Cole Caulfield was like yeah, yeah I can I can put it in there. <laughs> and, he, and he did it. I mean, he's such a pure goal scorer. Like, as much as the size thing always kind of worries you, even as a as a team that has freaking Brennan Gallagher on the team, but he looks small next to Gallagher. But, you know, you see a guy like, like the Burncat in Chicago doing great, and he's small. It just, he seems like he just knows how to score goals. Like, how, how much of a surefire thing do you think he is at this point? Well, I mean, like you said, I don't – I mean, that, that goal-scoring ability is just – ridiculous but yeah i mean the, the size obviously is always going to be a concern um but yeah i mean like you know you just uh, obviously i mean you talked about gallagher i mean i don't think they're necessarily the same type of player but no you know, no of course not is, just just size wise yeah 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 but the brinket is definitely you know a good 
you know, a, a good comparable, you know, a guy like that, he's top five, I think scoring in the NHL. Yeah. Why couldn't Caulfield do the same thing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch him turn pro. And I mean, he could be with the Canadians as you know, in next month. Yeah. That, so that's the thing that's crazy. The, and the one thing I'll be most interested with, with Caulfield. So what you see with a, a lot, when you see the highlights, is he always seems to find open ice. He's, he just seems to be one of those players that even though he's, the best goal scorer on the on the on the team, so the other team is clearly they have a whole strategy to stop him. He manages to kind of maybe it's because he's so small, you know, they can't see him, and he just manages to find that open ice. That now that is the aspect of his game that I'm curious. Will he be able to translate that to the NHL? That that's going to be his his big challenge. But if he can, he definitely has an NHL caliber shot, release, finishing ability. If he can find the space. I think he can score in the NHL. It's whether or not he'll be able to do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think, like, if, if he does play with the Canadian, it's going to be interesting to see if they do give him a shot with the Habs right away. You know, you could see him maybe being being on that third line is, instead of Armia, Tatar, yeah. Dano, Caulfield. Why not? And I think, you know, it start, start him off just, you know, third, maybe even on the fourth line, but playing constantly on the power play. That's power sort play, of been yeah. his bread and butter. You know, yeah. if you just put him, you know, uh, basically in the sl- uh, sort of like it, it, the hash marks there on the right side. I mean, that's going to be money right there. You know, and that's the thing. Even if they make it all the way to the final four, that's that's like the 10th of April or something like that. There's going to be still plenty of hockey left. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the, the, the most recent time this happens was with uh, with Ryan Paling. And but because of the, how the schedule is now, like Paling basically bur- he he lost a year on his contract just to play one game, right? And we all remember the game, of course, the crazy, crazy game against Toronto, but ultimately it meant nothing. But they, he still got his game in and his pro con- contract year in. But this is not what we're talking about here. He could he could get the about a month of, of hockey in, and that's if his team makes it all the way to the end, which they, they there's no guarantee they're going to do that, obviously, right? So he can be here sooner rather than later. And I, they have to give him a, a shot in the NHL when, when, once once he gets here. Like I don't, I don't see why not. Just see if he can if he can play. Might as well. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you might as well. Yeah. Just have him with the team. I mean, his his Wisconsin's the team that he plays for is not really that great anyway. So I mean, he could be here in a few weeks, really. <laughs> so I mean, uh, you you might be seeing him pretty pretty soon here with the Canadians. And yeah, why not give him a shot? You know. Give him a few games if it doesn't work out, and you know he seems maybe a little out of place, and send him down to Laval. I'm sure Joel Bouchard would love to have him. So, well, see, that's the thing. I wouldn't be that upset either if he, they send him down to Laval at first, because give him a couple of weeks with jo- Joel Bouchard, right? Like he he's proven himself to be so great at mentoring the kids and getting them ready for the for, for the NHL. I won't be mad at that either, but I'd still love to see him get some NHL playing time. But either way, I'm I'm just excited to see see him get in the organization and get some playing time. And because, man, if watching his highlights are just, I I, I mean, it's, what's the I don't remember being this hyped for a Habs prospect that kind of was because like Cut Kinyami, obviously we were we were excited, but he was kind of already with with uh, like he right away joined the team right his first year in, and then Suzuki he's was his most impressive really once he joined the team. Like we didn't really think he was going to be this good when he got here, but I don't remember a prospect playing in college or university or, or, or in junior on the Habs and me being that excited about him showing up. I just can't wait to see him like wear the Habs jersey. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's, it's really going to be exciting. I, I really can't wait to see it. And, you know, like, uh, like I said, I mean, it could be in a couple of weeks, you know, see, I mean, it's great. They already have so much depth and, you know, and scoring, scoring ability, really three lines. I mean, if you add him into that, into that top nine, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. And again, I mean, worst case, you know, if it doesn't work out, send him down to Laval and, and he'll be able to play top minutes with some of the other young guys like Yalone and Harvey Pinot, exactly. uh, Paling. I mean, man, it's, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting what? for sure. It's, it's weird talking about Paling by, because it's like, what's going on with him? You know, is, is he even going to, has he, has he played this year? I don't think he has, right? He, he's, he's been in the, yeah, the minors. I know he's played in the NHL, of course, but I mean, he hasn't been called up at any point with the Canadians and it's just, like, is he yeah. even on the radar for the Canadians at this point? I think he is. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, the whole situation at the end of last year was really weird. Yeah. Um, you know, where they had like Belzil instead, <laughs> instead of him, uh, you know, with him in the bubble. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, we think it might've been uh, an issue with him not being in shape over yeah. uh, the, the quarantine period. Uh, but I mean, he hasn't necessarily really put up the points, but he he's playing hard. He's definitely playing really hard in Laval. Um, yeah, he's never going to be really a top six guy. He's, he's more of a, you know, middle six guy, sort of a third line guy. Um, and you know, you, you like to see what he's doing right now. He's working hard. I mean, there's definitely been games where he's been one of the best players on the ice. That's what you want to see from him. And, you know, I think he, he's sort of taken it to heart what happened at the end of last season and wanted to come back this season in shape. And that's what we've seen so far. And, uh, you know, I think Joel Bouchard will definitely work wonders with him. I don't know if we'll really, I mean, unless the Canadians have, you know, a number of injuries, I don't necessarily yeah. think we'll see him with the Canadians this year, but um, next season, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to hit the ground running. Hopefully he has, you know, a, a good rest of the season here in Laval, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely th- still think he's in the plans. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe if another team was interested and, you know, yeah. Ekholm, uh, <laughs> Ekholm is a possibility, I wouldn't be super shocked to see him move down, I don't know. But do you think he has that much value at this point, though? Or you're better off just holding on? If he, let's say he is working hard in Laval and he's progressing, he's shown that, like, kind of he's learned from maybe the mistake from showing up out of shape last year. He's kind of learning under Bouchard. Then I feel like if that's the case, then you're doing yourself a disservice moving him now, unless a team, for whatever reason, really really wants him. But you're probably better off kind of like you want to sell a high on, on those prospects, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking if there is a move for Ekholm, it's going to be one of those left-handed defensemen. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, they're probably – other teams are probably calling about other guys. Yeah. You know, like a, like Yalone a and like Norland or uh, Struble, Gooley potentially. You know, it's not – they're not necessarily calling about Paling. No. Who, you know, is, is probably going to max out it as, as a third-line center. Nah, exactly, exactly. All right, so that uh, pretty much uh, covers it for uh, for this week. I mean, I guess we should probably do some pr- some predictions uh, quickly since we've been doing it every uh, every game. Well, let me go to the schedule here. So we got Vancouver. God, what a stupid. Okay, first of all, what a stupid schedule. Like yeah, I understand it's going to be a later game that because we're playing against Vancouver. But even yeah. in Vancouver, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, I I, I don't oh. I don't get I, I don't get that at all. <laughs> I, I I'm a night owl. I stay up late every night anyway, so it doesn't affect me that much. But it's it's, it's a that's a that's a weird call. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping before the game even starts, 
uh, <laughs> against Vancouver. I mean, whatever. So it's so basically next podcast probably going to be on Tuesday. So we have got four games to talk about, all on the road in Vancouver, then two in Calgary, and then uh, one in uh, in Winnipeg. No, tomorrow I'd be shocked if they don't win. Uh, no, I, th- I think they'll win tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say Price keeps the uh, the one. Oh, you think Price will play tomorrow? Yeah, Price will probably play so. tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to say they win three to one. All right, then so it's back to back, and then the next game right away against uh, against Calgary. Now I don't know if like. Let me see if Calgary is also going to be on a back-to-back or something like that. Is it Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday? That they're... No. No, Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday is one. Yeah, no, Wednesday, I'm saying oh yeah, Wednesday, they're playing tomorrow, and then they're playing against Calgary again the, the very next day. All right, hold on. I'm just pulling up Calgary's schedule. No, actually, Calgary are going to be on three days rest. Uh, so they haven't played yesterday, not, not playing today, not playing tomorrow. And so Canadians are going to be on a back-to-back. So that might be a tough one for... For the Canadians. So I'm, I'm thinking they win tomorrow handily against Vancouver, probably lose against Calgary. Like, unless you have Jake Allen that steps in with a big game. But then on Saturday, I think they get they get the the, 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 the W against against Calgary. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I think uh, I think they'll win tomorrow 3-1 to one against Vancouver. Thursday, they lose to Calgary. I'm going to say 4 nothing. unfortunately. Oof, tough game. Yep. But uh, yeah, Saturday I think they uh, they're gonna play really well. I, again, Price will have a good game. It'll be a close one, but uh, I'll say four two. And then Monday against uh, Winnipeg at Winnipeg, I think they win that one. I think I think they gave Winnipeg enough. Oh, well, Winnipeg's gonna be pissed about that seven one loss. Exactly. Though. I think they're gonna oh. lose. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a think, close uh, game. I think I think it's I think that's an OT loss. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna say OT win. They're gonna finally get OT their first wins. overtime win. Yeah, you're going to get their Damn. first overtime win. By right. I'm going to say they're going to lose. Regulation, they're going to lose 3-2. 3-2. I'll say win 3-2, but in overtime. I, I didn't really give scores for the other ones. I'll say tomorrow against Vancouver, but you, th- you said 3-1. You know what? Price finally gets a shutout tomorrow. It's it's It just keeps slipping through his fingers. Finally gets a shutout tomorrow. They win 3 nothing, And then against Calgary, they lose. I think it will still be close, but they lose. I'll say 3-1. And then win handedly against Calgary on Saturday. Uh, 5-2. 5-2. All right, what do you think? Four games this week before our next podcast is Philip Deneau score. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll say say yes. He has to score eventually. Four games. Yeah, he'll get a goal. He'll get a goal here. Maybe it clicks with uh, with Armia and Tatar. Maybe that line clicks and he gets a goal finally. Yeah, or right. or he. Oh, you know what? You know what? Maybe he'll get he'll get an empty he'll get an empty net goal. <laughs> empty I net. feel like that's what's his first goal of this year. I think has to be an empty net goal. And then I was maybe, thinking that's what was gonna happen yesterday. Yeah, I thought, I thought about net. it too. Yeah. I thought about it too. But I'm gonna say he doesn't score. I, I'm gonna say he's gonna score. I think we play Ottawa like soon. He's gonna score the next game against Ottawa. That's going to be his first goal of the year. So the next game against Ottawa is on the 28th. You know what would be funny? If Cole Caulfield scores before Deno. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, poor Deno. Poor I mean... Deno. Costing <laughs> himself money every day. Oh, I know. I know. That's that's why you can't get over it at this point. All right. So that, that's uh, that's all our predictions. Like I said, we'll probably do uh, the next episode on uh, ne- next Tuesday. Again, so uh, that that uh, that does it for the. And I don't think you had anything else you wanted to cover, right? No, no. The Rocket, uh, they played one game. Well, they played uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday their first game in like eight days, and it was their worst game 
of the season. So hopefully they bounce back. I think they're actually they're playing tonight. Hopefully they play better. All right, perfect. So uh, as always, follow us uh, on Twitter at the Habs Four and send us your questions if you have them. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.